Welcome to the Amnesty International podcast. We've been busy over the last month with the Demand Dignity campaign. If you're new to the campaign, hopefully by the end of this podcast, all will be clear. Coming up, we have Amnesty International Secretary General Irene Khan reading an excerpt from her new book, The Unheard Truth. And she'll be telling us what living with dignity means to her. Those who have been excluded throughout history, they are the new forgotten prisoners. We'll then be taking a look at the Amnesty International report on water rights in Israel and the occupied territories. Uh, Israeli water policies in the occupied territories are fundamentally discriminatory. And finishing up with a first-hand account of what it was like travelling with the Amnesty campaign bus through Sierra Leone. But first, Amnesty in the news. On World Habitat Day, Amnesty International members across the world campaigned to stop forced evictions in Africa. Much of the focus was on Chad, where tens of thousands of people have been made homeless since 2008. In the wake of the Iranian election, there were many civil and political rights abuses, including the death sentence of protester Mohammad Reza Ali Zamani. He was convicted of a number of crimes, including propaganda against the system. By the end of the month, the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khomeini televised a statement aimed to criminalize legitimate peaceful dissent and dissatisfaction with the political process. Human rights activists in Russia and the North Caucasus face increasing violence and intimidation three years after the murder of journalist Anna Politkovskaya. In a letter to Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, Amnesty International urged him to take genuine steps to stop the attacks and for his administration to demonstrate a commitment to bringing the perpetrators of such crimes to justice. Amnesty International accused Israel of denying Palestinians the right to access adequate water by maintaining total control over the shared water resources and pursuing discriminatory policies. We'll have more on this later in the podcast. She is the first woman, the first Asian, and the first Muslim to hold the position of Amnesty International's Secretary General. In her first term in office, she reformed Amnesty's response to crisis situations and initiated a global campaign against violence towards women. Now, Irene Khan reads an excerpt from her recently published book, The Unheard Truth. Amnesty International was founded in 1961 when a British lawyer, Peter Benenson, published an article in a London newspaper, The Observer, entitled The Forgotten Prisoners. He highlighted six cases of prisoners of conscience in Western, socialist and less developed countries. They were all professional men, lawyers, academics, religious ministers, a doctor, and all but one were white. 45 years later, in 2007, Amnesty International was supporting a prisoner of conscience who was female and an indigenous person and a street vendor. This in microcosm reflects the change that the human rights movement itself is undergoing to join the fight against poverty. To insist on the rights of people living in poverty is to focus on those who have been excluded throughout history. They are the new forgotten prisoners. Amnesty has traditionally been associated with civil and political rights. The Unheard Truth has a very different human rights agenda. And at Amnesty, the Demand Dignity campaign was set up especially to deal with these issues. So we asked Irene where the inspiration for the book came from. Uh, I was not born poor, but I was born in a poor country. 
and growing up in Bangladesh and later working with the UN Refugee Agency and now with Amnesty International, I have seen and heard uh, how people are pushed and trapped in poverty. I have seen and heard voices of people demanding to be heard, demanding to tell their story of how they have fought and organized and taken control of their lives. Um, and, and listening to them, experiencing, living through their experiences, uh, I felt that I could bring a perspective that poverty is not just about economic growth. Poverty has been defined in terms of a dollar, those who earn a dollar a day or those who earn two dollars a day. What we are saying is that economic deprivation is only one aspect of poverty. If you listen to poor people, you will hear them talk about the discrimination they face, uh, the insecurity in which they live. This is insecurity, not knowing where your next uh, job is going to come from, whether you will have a meal the next day. It's also insecurity that they suffer in, in slums, police brutality, violence against women. And it's about voicelessness, that no one hears poor people. They're excluded. They're out of sight, out of mind of those in power. Um, this book says those issues of oppression, of exclusion, of discrimination, of insecurity, of voicelessness, those are human rights abuses. So poverty is a human rights problem. Thanks to Irene Khan for that revealing insight into the history behind The Unheard Truth. The book is crammed with facts, stories and some fantastic images. All proceeds go to Amnesty International, so don't delay. The book is available from all major bookshops and on Amazon. Later, we'll be finding out what life was like travelling on a big yellow campaign lorry through remote regions of Sierra Leone with a reading from the Amnesty Caravan blog. But first, here is a report from our Middle East team who recently conducted a field research mission to Gaza and the West Bank, where they witnessed firsthand the difficulties Palestinians face with access to water. Israel has occupied the West Bank for more than 40 years. Uh, in that time, it's exercised control over the mountain aquifer, which is the main underground water supply that's common to Israel and the West Bank. Over 180,000 Palestinians who live there have no access to running water, and average Palestinian water consumption is four times less than that of average Israeli consumption, and is also well below the level recommended by the World Health Organization as the minimum requirement for water. The aquifer, both in the West Bank and Gaza, is being polluted by the discharge of sewage. Today, 90 to 95% of the water in Gaza is not fit for human consumption. Uh, unfortunately, though, the Palestinians have no alternative source of water in Gaza. Uh, the situation has been made far worse by the blockade, the Israeli blockade on Gaza, which prevents uh, equipment which is necessary for the construction and the development of sewage treatment plant and other water infrastructure. The situation in Gaza is very bad, but it's also uh, bad and deteriorating in the West Bank, where Palestinians are required to obtain permits from the Israeli authorities in order to uh, carry out uh, important development and maintenance work on the water infrastructure and these are often very difficult or slow to obtain. Uh, the, the result uh, at a time of drought as well is that uh, it's causing greater impoverishment. Farmers are finding it difficult to irrigate their crops. 
five months ago the Israeli came and they cut the, the water pipe and they confiscated it for several days and they told the farmer that you have the right to, to use water natural resources from that spring because it's belonged to the state and you have the right to use this and you know this farmer he lost all his crops because it's in the middle of the agricultural season until now there is no permission from the Israeli side and we did not know what will happen for this farm and what will happen for the family who depend on their income from this farm. The problem which Palestinian communities uh, who have no access to running water face is that they have to bring water from a great distance via mobile tankers. There are over 500 Israeli military checkpoints and blockades uh, in the West Bank, uh, which means that the water tankers have to often take very long detours. All these drives up the cost of the water. Uh, Israeli water policies in the occupied territories are fundamentally discriminatory. And that discrimination is so apparent when one compares the Israeli settlements, which have large, green, irrigated farms, next to absolutely dry, parched Palestinian villages. As the occupying power, Israel has an obligation to uh, take care of the needs of the population under its occupation, and it is failing to do so. It needs to stand up and observe its obligations under international law. Sierra Leone is a country where one in eight women die in childbirth. Amnesty International's team put together a mobile film, music and theatre show and this caravan toured the country to raise awareness on maternal deaths as a human rights issue. Here is a reading from Karenissa Dala, who is part of the team that took the show on the road. On our second day in McKinney, Irene Khan, our Secretary General, and some of the mission delegates departed for Freetown. In the morning, a few of the delegates set off to Kamambai, a village 30 minutes outside McKinney. The village has a history of women's empowerment. Following discussions with a number of women, we asked them to sign the petition and postcard urging the President to ensure access to health centres for pregnant women. Irene Khan was meeting the Minister of Health in the afternoon, and she could convey their messages to him. As soon as we announced this, women surrounded us, all demanding postcards and petitions to sign. I've never experienced anything like it. We will keep working with local partners, including NGOs and community-based organizations, to see how they can continue to work in the longer term throughout the country and together hope to significantly reduce maternal mortality in Sierra Leone. Thanks for listening to the Amnesty International podcast. Amnesty International.